You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. Well, welcome back to the Next Trek Podcast. Every week, we break down the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery and give our thoughts on the final frontier. My name is Chris. And I'm Tyler. And I'm Kate. And this week we're talking about Star Trek Discovery finally. It's I'm I'm so excited. Like we are back, guys. It's back. Oh. And and you know, I, I really wish that we had a better episode to talk about. I wish, you know, this was kind of a this is mm. kind of a disappointment. Such I a downer. Lame. Such a downer yeah. of an episode. And you know, the internet agrees. The internet agrees. This was pretty lame. I don't know why they're coming back for a second season, but I guess we have to talk about it. So season two, quick summary. Uh, seven mysterious signals have appeared throughout the galaxy. The Enterprise was damaged on its way to investigate those signals. So Captain Pike, um, this this is where we met them at the end of the uh, the first season. Captain Pike takes over the discovery to discover the source and meaning of those signals. Mm. So that's kind of that's looks like our season arc. Um, we know there's a couple things you know, I didn't mention because it hasn't come up yet in the in the actual series. Spock's gonna somehow be involved. Um, in all of this, Spock is, we're going to meet him. We don't know how much. Um, he's not in the opening credits. So um, Ethan Ethan Peck is not a, uh, I guess, a series regular. But, uh, but yeah, so this is, this is feeling more, honestly, more Star Trek to me than, than Discovery Season 1 did. We're, we're seeking out some new life and some signals in space and there's science and math and it's going to be great. There's science and math. That's right. Absolutely. So should we give our general impressions of yeah. the first episode and then maybe do a breakdown? Yeah, really quick. Chris, what did you think? What did you what were your reactions? Oh man, look, I I I think I've fallen in love um with uh what's his name? Anson Mount. Is that how you pronounce oh, his name? Same. Anson Mount. Yep. Anson As, Mount. Uh, he plays Pike. Man, he's a good-looking oh. man um and he is also he just kind of takes <laughs> He just kind of yeah, he just he the moment he gets on screen oh. um I kind of felt relief. Uh, there's some there's some interactions he has, yeah. specifically with the bridge crew, where they finally introduce themselves, and I feel like they are actual. Um, I won't say humans; they're not all human, but yeah, they yeah. actually are. They're people. They have, um, you know, I don't know. They, they have importance and weight, and and you know, names which and we names. haven't gotten. And I think that is that is the most important bit there is that they suddenly now instead of just being referred to like a last name they now have full full names. Um, anyway, I just like the attitude of this season. Um, I like the the overall tone of it. It is we are we are boldly going to search and we're not at war. We are exploring and we are looking for truth. And that kind of attitude for me is what Star Trek is, what I've been looking for in a Star Trek show. Now, if I, yeah. it remains to be seen if that will end up the way um, at the end of the season. But so far, this first episode feels hopeful to me. And that is a big relief after last season's kind of downtrodden, very much gray, shades of gray um, uh, uh full-on season attitude so i'm i'm ready i'm excited that's that's my initial reaction with this first episode is that i was smiling enjoying laughing and cheering through most of it absolutely kate what about you well my initial reaction was damn it jim there was star trek in my star trek (laughs) finally (laughs) how dare they i know right um this 
felt more like Star Trek we're used to. Um, it still feels like Discovery. It still yeah. feels like its own thing, but it had more of a traditional Star Trek vibe to it than the first season did. Um, echoing Chris, there is definitely a sense of fun throughout this one. Mm. Um, it's also a splashy season start in the way that yeah. season one had a splashy start. So I'm curious what the sort of you know, case of the week experience will be, or just the season arc, like how that tone will work itself out. But there's clearly a big tonal shift happening here. And it makes me curious for what the show is going to do overall. Um, if, if it's going to be like a tone per season, or is what we get this season, what discovery is going to be. So um, lots of questions, curiosities, excitement uh, over in jokes and new faces and plenty to say here. Absolutely. I, I honestly really agree. I, I took, like I said, I really, I loved this episode. I took something like seven and a half pages of notes. Um, so both Kate and Chris are going to push me along so we don't talk about every single moment. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna be like a jerk. <laughs> if you're listening to this episode, I apologize right now, but I am going to uh, to shove Tyler along as, as well as I possibly can. Yes, that's right. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if we can, if we can do it. But I, I will say in those seven and a half pages of notes, Right in the in the middle of the first page, it was in all caps. I wrote, "I love Anson Mount's Pike." Like it just uh, from th- that's my biggest takeaway. Other than being intrigued by the mystery of the season, you know, what are these seven um, signals? What is this red angel thing that we see later on and stuff like that? But honestly, um, Pike brought with him a, a breath of fresh air to a crew that we've already grown to like and mm-hmm. care about, but we we haven't really gotten to know in depth yet. Um, and and he. He almost kind of is us in this. He's coming in and saying, "Okay, well, so who are you guys?" Um, and and he does a roll call, and he's he's cracking jokes from the from the very beginning. He's he's funny. He's charming. Um, so I'm really excited to see. Um, I, I I suspect he's only here for the season. You know, he's this is a temporary assignment, but uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. So uh, you guys ready to dig into it? Please. Absolutely. Awesome. So. Well, this uh, this starts with a with a voiceover. You know, we get our nice. Uh, I think I want to say season one began the, the same or in a similar way. We have a voiceover, and honestly, we get the theme of this season. What I think is going to be the theme of the season right away, um, and it's uh, uh, Burnham says she, she is telling the story of an African tribe, um, a girl who threw ash into the sky to create the Milky Way, and this is quoting uh, Burnham's monologue. Hidden there, a secret buried among the stars, was a message, an enormous letter in the bottle made of space and time, visible only to those whose hearts were open enough to receive it. And the visual on screen is these seven red bursts mm-hmm. um, at this same time. And so I just want to see what you guys think. What what came of that for you? Was it just a nice, you know, trite, you know, opening, opening to the season? Or did you think that that's, uh, that's a bigger thing? It's not trite at all. I think thematically, they're, they're, as you're suggesting, um, there, there's thematic content there. I liked the Afrofuturism aspect of it. Um, it, it, was, it was a nice way to um, uh, begin a sense of wonder. We're not, we're not doing the whole Klingon war thing. We're, we're, yeah. we're investigating, we're, we're discovering, uh, we're venturing into the, the frontier of things again. They have done a lot of referring to stories um yeah. they've done it again here they talked a lot in season one about alice in wonderland and then it's talked about even referenced here in season two and now this story that's all well and good but it, it's not really all that meaningful unless they actually 
tie it back. I thought yeah. the Alice in Wonderland thing was way too loose last uh, last season. I was surprised to see it here again. I'm just hoping, like you said, thematically at the end of the season, we look back at the beginning of the season and we say, oh, I know why that was there. That made sense. Um, so I'm hoping that that happens. Um, I just really enjoyed hearing uh, the the uh, the opening monologue. I thought this was the new series opener because um, yeah. she starts with space, the final, the final frontier. frontier. And I was like, ooh, we're getting it. And then it yeah. wasn't that. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. All right. It's still discovery. They can't make it too much old Star Trek. That's the, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Sure. <laughs> At least it's not the opening music to Enterprise. Hey, it's been oh. a long road. Because I've here. got faith <laughs> of the heart. Uh. Man, I stand yeah. by it. I, I, you guys heard it here. Chris's cover of. Have you heard? I've got a question. Have you heard the actual um, symphonic version of the theme that was actually yes. supposed to go there? Yes. It's, it's wonderful. It's and it's great. much better than what they put it's in. So much better. Okay, yeah. sorry. That was just a little side note. Well, that if you was don't back when know... it was Enterprise, not Star Trek Enterprise. For what was the first two seasons? We're, we're not going to call it Star Trek because it's just it's just Enterprise. Shut up. Whatever. It, yeah. Whatever. It doesn't. Old argument. I, moving on. <laughs> yeah. Please. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Well, we didn't have a podcast back then. We couldn't talk about it. Okay. Um. So uh, let's let's move forward. So we're shifting to to a flashback. We we get this overview. Um, this voiceover, and we shift to a flashback of Michael entering Spock's home for the first time. Um, a lot of this, I don't think we need to completely retread, other than, you know, we see the adoption, which is good. Um, what I what I was really intrigued by was their choice of how they introduced Spock into this season. And I'm just going to say, you know, it's it's Sarek and Amanda saying, hey, Spock, your new adopted sister, it's really wonderful. And he is a butthead to her. Yeah, he, he shuts was, the door right in her face, right? How logical was that, Spock? Jeez. It was a very standard sibling conflict really setup was. moment. Yeah. And so I was a little underwhelmed by that. But, you know, we'll see where it goes. But also, it does set the tone for their relationship, I think. Also, just a real quick nitpick thing, and this doesn't really matter because it's just more of kind of a style choice. But this technology of being able to like I hated swipe it. something <laughs> off of the screen and put it into the air made no sense to me. No. Um, so how does that, that actually work practically? And yeah, and you just it, just it was weird. Gracefully, just toss it into the air. Ugh, no. It was techno porn. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, it's this cool thing that we can do, and it doesn't yeah. really serve any significant purpose. But yeah, it yeah. looked, it did look cool, of course. But it's one of those like, but the moment you, it's just swirly lights. But how, the moment you think, how is that supposed to work? It, it doesn't work. Uh, so we we see that. Anything else to say on Spock's relationship other than he's he's a butthead and it's kind of very typical sibling stuff? All right. Uh, we then pick up right as last season um, ended. We get the Enterprise. Um, the yes. the big drastic part of this is um, uh, they're they're contacting the Enterprise. They can only use Morse code, I think, to even to even handle it. The wonderful the Enterprise... Tilly moment, by the way. There, oh, she okay. she's she. We've all done it. We've been in a crowded room. We started yelling, <laughs> and then everybody gets quiet, and then all of a sudden you're yelling to this room. It was a wonderful oh, yeah. Tilly moment. Yeah, it was so great. great. She this this was a good Tilly episode. It wasn't too much Tilly. It wasn't it wasn't um, so overblown. But she's got some good emotional moments, some good cathartic moments, and it starts it starts nicely off with with yeah talking too loud at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we well, the the significant thing, the thing that seems shocking to me, and I'll I'll kind of get into this a bit more later, maybe, but the Enterprise has been completely knocked out of power, and we don't know why. Yeah. Um, it's it's damaged beyond repair, which has led to Pike needing to beam aboard the Discovery and take command, and uh, and we get that, and we're skipping ahead just just slightly, but. Uh, Sarek says something really briefly, just as, as uh, Burnham leaves to go to the transporter room. He says, I never expected to see Spock again. And she says, me neither. Mm-hmm. So something has happened. Yeah. Well, and that's even, I guess we get that with Journey Journey to Babel when we first see Spock and, and Sarek, uh, you know, reunited in, in the original series. But I, di- I guess I didn't ever see it as such a definite thing, such a a like I never I thought we were just done I thought I never expected to see him again I thought it was more of a just well you know father, like a father and son well we don't talk very much kind of a thing hmm. yeah this was very dramatic because in Journey to Babel it was you know he chose Starfleet over the Vulcan Science Academy which you know th- that's the reason for a father and son to have some tension but you know not to like never talk again yeah nothing it was it was yeah, bigger than I expected, I guess, is, mm-hmm. is where I was going with that. But They um, are playing so, up the drama, I think, in this episode yeah. with, with, I mean, in their attempt to explain uh, the reason why uh, Michael Burnham never existed in the storyline before. I'm a little concerned that they're going to hit this too hard throughout, but yeah. we'll see. That it's just the, this deep, dramatic well they keep going to of, oh, I've destroyed our relationship kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what we do is, uh, so they, they have that conversation. There's lots of dramatic looks and tension of like, oh, their science officer is going to be on board and, you know, tons of looks of, you know, who the science officer is, of course. Uh, and then they, she and Saru begin walking toward the, toward the transporter room. And I love, I love the fun that they have as Pike, his, his uh, science officer and his engineer beam aboard. Um, just this, this weird uh, they, I love the camera move. They they pan on you know Pike is they focus on him as he beams in, then they pan across the other people who are beaming in, and they focus on the ear. Yeah, they they focus on the ear of this guy who's wearing the blue uniform, and of course you know it can't be that easy to get Spock in there. And I just thought it was I thought it was so funny that uh, that we get this human instead of uh, instead of a Vulcan. So with the wonderful annoying drive me crazy Lieutenant Connolly. Yeah, I thought it was kind of fun. So they play with the ear. They um, um, they bring over a red shirt, and you're not really sure. You know, we're we setting up the death of a red shirt uh, here. I love it's, that it's not. And they even comment on it when they when they're getting in spacesuits. Yeah, he's like, get your get your red shirt into that spacesuit, and you're like, oh, she's dead. No, nope, she's, she's a red shirt. Yeah, oh, I, I really like that. There's this is our first red shirt in in yes. the series. There's also, um, I think it's one of the transporter techs is wearing what looks like a precursor uh, version of the visor that Jordy uh, wears, wears later. I was excited to see that. So uh, Pike is there to take he's is there to take command. He has these two people with him, Lieutenant Connolly and uh, Lieutenant Nan, who's a Barzan. We've we've seen Barzan once before, I think, in uh, in the Next Generation. And uh, Lieutenant Connolly is one of the more annoying characters that we have had on uh, on Star Trek Discovery so far, and I'm. I'm pretty okay with the fact that he dies later on. He's a Starfleet bro. He is. Honestly. He's a Starfleet bro who also is the setup for a great joke because if yes. we're going to jump ahead, he's the one who dies, not the red shirt, which yeah. is mm-hmm. very satisfying. I loved that. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. but again, like you, you kind of saw it coming from a mile away, right? Though, because yeah. he was so oh, annoying. Literally. As soon as they got in those pods, anyway. So we're not yeah. there yet, but we, we, yeah, that that is, it was kind of telegraphed, but. Well, something else that they bring up as they're as they're talking, you know, they're walking through the Discovery and and Pike and and Commander Nunn and uh, Lieutenant Connolly. They're all talking. They're looking around. She says something like, you know, this is where Starfleet has decided to to put its pennies. And Pike again, this just this this awesomeness of Pike. Don't covet thy neighbor's starship, Commander. Yes. Besides, yeah. we get the new uniforms. I just good tone. It's funny. Um, they comment on the fact that they have the uniforms when Discovery doesn't. I, I like that. We don't get an explanation, really, but at least they, they hang a hat on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we find out our, our problem of the of the season. Pike says, they get to the bridge. Pike says, okay, there have been seven red bursts. They've appeared perfectly synchronized throughout the galaxy, but only momentarily. Um, but this one lasts a little bit longer, so we, we're going to go to that to that place because we got a fix on it. Mm-hmm. And and that's it's just, honestly, it's a nice mystery for the season we don't get much information this episode we don't get too much information it gives us something to pursue and i i really appreciate that it's a mystery yeah yep Mm -hmm. it's a it's a good mystery and we also again we get stupid science officer Connolly having this weird pissing match with burnham you know he criticizes her use of a metaphor and she corrects him that it's a simile and I'm, simile. I'm an English teacher. And that was just, I was so happy by that stupid line, but it was <laughs> great. Oh, it, it, I loved it. Wow. So we have um, math and English in this, in this episode. Yay, honestly, education. There was, yes. Oh, it, it, all of that stuff. I really think that the writers have hit their stride um, mm-hmm. in this, in this episode, which actually stinks. The, the two writers of this episode were the the showrunners from last year, and um, and they both got fired. So, mm. I hope I hope that that we don't lose the quality because I think this is a, an incredibly well written episode. Yeah, um, yeah. From that standpoint, can we hit pause on the walkthrough yeah. for a moment because we jumped over something that I think is important. What's that? In the conversation between Burnham and Saru as they're walking, they make mm. sibling conversation, yeah. and Saru makes reference to his sister, who was yep. introduced in one of the shorts. So we have yes. our first connection to the shorts. That they're True. real. They're not just these little throw-off things. Absolutely. So I thought that was, I mean, the banter was fun, and it was great to see them that way again with, with that level of, of chemistry between them, but... Um, to, to have that brightest star be our first one, I was a little excited about because that was my favorite of the shorts. Yeah, um, agreed. And then I also just wanted to briefly comment on the the credits that we jumped over. Oh the yeah, I can't believe I skipped that. There's a phaser in there, which was an interesting choice. I thought. I um, swear the phaser. I think the phaser was in season one. Was I'm it? very sure. I'm very okay, sure. Okay, maybe it was. I, I, I didn't check. I just felt like we're moving away from war and there's a phaser in there. So that seems suggestive of we might not be fighting a formal war, but there's certainly plenty of conflict to come sure. in this season that involves shooting them up. Well, and, and again, I can't believe I, I skipped over that in the credits. Um, but now that you're now that you're on it, um, we did get we got a Section 31 badge in a there. A red angel in there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a red angel. Um, and, and three, and I didn't get this one uh, um, as my, or why, I guess why this is in there. We have a transporter pad with three um, Star Trek badges uh, on it. And so I don't know where, where that's from, but, um, but I, I liked the changes. I think they could have, they could have gotten rid of the phaser unless it, yeah, ties in thematically later on, mm-hmm. but yeah. Okay. Good. Unpause. Good. No, that's good. I can't believe I skipped over it. Um, I also really liked, I like that Pike says, um, I, 
Burnham says that, you know, we have somebody in common. It's Spock. I was expecting him to come over. And Pike says, sometimes it's wise to keep your expectations low. Yes. That way you won't be ex- uh, disappointed. He's talking to us. I Exactly. I thought the same thing. Maybe a little bit from last season. Like, guys, okay, calm down. You know, you, you, you no. hate it. Everybody... I think specifically he's talking about Spock, though. He's literally sure. saying, do not, you know what I mean? Like, you've got these expectations. Sure. It's Spock. Yeah. Stop that. It's, Stop it. Yeah, especially because we've just, I think we've just come off the credits at that point, and, and Ethan Peck is not in the credits. We're not going to see him in this episode, let alone however much we, if we only see him for one episode in this whole season, I actually might be a little disappointed after all the buildup, but then at the same time, it won't be as distracting, so... Yeah, because it's not his show. I mean, he's ancillary to Michael Burnham. Right. Um, And then, this is just a side note. This is not deep, but Linus the Saurian, who has a cold and sneezes on Connolly, was that scene, it was a little, it was kind of funny, but was it, it seemed distracting to me. It worked really well in the trailer, and it did not really work work well in the trailer. It did not work very well in the show. It felt a little slapsticky. It did. Entirely. It was like Guardians of the Galaxy a little bit straight into the show. And then it was also an extension of the pissing match between the old crew and the new crew. Right. Which worked. And I I liked that. Yeah. Connolly, who's super annoying, gets really bad sneezed on. But other than that, it was kind of like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. It happened. Uh, Can I can I bring up now our first my first big prediction for the for the whole season? No. Yeah. No, of course big this is big chris you need to put some major music into this this is dramatic and i'm i'm 100 right um so uh, pike says right after this right as they get onto the bridge pike says um, we are on our way to investigate when uh, the enterprise suffered catastrophic systems failure which stamet says was not supposed to be able to happen i 100 predict section 31 sabotaged the enterprise uh to arrange this whole thing and that the Hiawatha, which so so getting getting uh, the discovery to the Hiawatha to that asteroid field was also a part of that plan, and so our our Lieutenant Jet, I think Jet Reno is her name, played by Tignataro, um, she it actually was knows amazing. More. She's so good. I love Tignataro anyway, and I was kind of skeptical about her role in this. Fantastic in this, mm-hmm. but that's that's my theory. Section thirty one uh, sabotage Enterprise to arrange all this to happen. It's so interesting. So. Just really quick, this is kind of just clarification for myself. You've watched this now three times. I've only seen it once at one and a half, you know, basically. So the story that is told is the Enterprise was on its five-year mission, just out exploring the universe, totally missed the Klingon War. Kept away, told not to return, it sounds like. Yeah, and so, but now they decided to come back because of the red bursts? That's what it sounds like, yeah. I just didn't understand why they turned around and came back. Why they, why? So, because what happens is and they were bas- so close that they were on the way to Vulcan. Basically, I mean that's close to to Earth. Right. So th- that's the thing is I guess they they were on their way back after yeah. it, it seems like this is like what like a month after the war. It just seems and that's, weird. That to me. timeline has been unclear because they kept saying like after the Paris Accords. So is that a few months after the war? Like they they did, did a ceasefire and then we have the Paris Accords. We don't really know. Okay. The full timeline. But my question, my, my basic question is this. So you're saying that on its way back to Earth, somebody deliberately, you think Section 31, yeah. um, 
uh, sabotage the, sabotage the Enterprise. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Or or it's Spock. Like I th- I did think Spock, but why would he be gone then? So it, it's I think it's got to be Section Thirty One because we know that they're involved in this season with because Giorgio is back and stuff. I, so I, here you want to know what my prediction is? Yeah. Okay. Here's my prediction. Last season they wrote themselves into a hole. And they needed to not show the Enterprise more than like a split second because they yeah. couldn't build that sucker. So they just went ahead and said, oh, it's useless. Because you see it like warp dropping out of warp. And you know what I mean? Like it feels yeah. – it just, it doesn't feel like it's a, a ship under duress at the right. last – It you, seems as though it's flying in. and yeah. they, it, it stops right in front of them. Yeah. And it's like, oh, they're they're navigating here. So my 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 prediction is is that like well we we can't really use the Enterprise and we need yeah. to have this excuse and blah 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 okay the Enterprise is it it's, needs to be repaired oh okay yeah. great fantastic well, so we can't use it yeah that's I, my I prediction say, but okay <laughs> it's possible I I will say from uh, the interviews with Kurtzman that I've that I've listened to or read he yeah. he said they actually made the decision to bring Spock in um, way early in season one. Um, so I don't know, I don't know when that is and what that means, but he said that it, it or it, I think they said specifically, we, we meant to bring the enterprise in way early in season one. Like the decision was made. Um, so I they mean, were already the moment, planning ahead for I two. I mean, I, and here, here, I don't know why I'm being the, like the pessimistic one here tonight, but the moment that they decided to relate Michael Burnham to Spock was the moment they to. brought up all that stuff. Yeah. So mm-hmm. at some yeah. point. Um, so I'm going to push back and say Section 31 did not sabotage the Enterprise, but they might be responsible for for Pike coming over in some fashion or another. Because I feel like there are a lot of questions about why the Enterprise is in Vulcan. When did Spock leave the Enterprise? Yeah. When yeah. when did he see the red light? Like, there's there's too many questions that we don't have True. answers to. Well, and is Spock working with Section 31, and that's how they know about it? Or I, who knows? You know, there's a lot. Because I could see, honestly, I could see Spock working for Section 31, even just because he, he doesn't tell anybody anything. So hmm. who knows? He could be super secret. Um, if And I, I swear, if they don't have some tiny little reference to Cybok in all of this, and I, I don't even like Cybok, but like, please, please put these th- these things together. Like, all right, somebody Tyler. at least refer to my laughing brother. Tyler, we got to move on. We got to move on. Uh, we got to move on. Yeah. We're, we're, getting, we're getting stuck. We're getting stuck. This Let's is move our on. cue. All right. Look at my notes. Um, all right. So we'll tell her for his <laughs> notes. Uh, I'm going to make a couple comments about um, um, the start of of, of um, Pike in this role as he's introducing himself to everyone. He is very much the anti-Lorca. He wants to know oh, who people's names are. He is a relational captain in the way that we're used to captains being. Yeah. And so uh, I also noticed um, looking around the bridge and the way everyone accepts Burnham, et cetera, I was realizing Lorca is the new betrayer, not her. So she's officially yes. shifted out of that role. So uh, more shifts are occurring with... Um, with his essentially arriving on the bridge, uh, we get to see multiple transitions happening, and that he has really beautiful nail beds. I, I love Tilly's giddiness over him and her kind of crush. That again, she is us. She always has been the the fans here, and she's just fangirling over the fact that she gets to scan his his palm print. And you know, I love it. I think it's I think it's funny. <laughs> and what? Then, then he pranks her. <laughs> And then he pranks her. Oh, I thought I broke the captain. I I loved it. I thought that was hilarious. Um, and and that you know he she accidentally displays his file, but he uses it and says, "Look, you know, it's I'm completely an open book. Um, you can trust me. I'm not Lorca." I, th- I thought that was a fantastic way of of picking up with him. 
Yeah, and we get into loan. It was a good narrative way of being able to introduce Pike to the world of Discovery, uh, and that tonal shift. Because, like you yeah. said, he ends that entire thing with "I am not Lorca," which yeah. is great. I mean, that and that, I know what Lorca was like because right. I, read, I read the file. But I mean that. But again, like that's speaking to the audience too, saying we've ch- this, this is going to be a completely different ship. It's going to be right. a completely different show. Right. Uh, we move forward, and Stamets is is mourning. He's watching recordings of Culber, um, speaking to him. I think over Cassilian Opera or something like that. And and it's it's nice to get that continuity, which we so rarely get in Star Trek. Um, you know, of of he's he's mourning the death of of his partner, and um, and and a, a good part of the show. Um, Wilson Cruz though is in the the main credits, so he is not done um, in this. I, I hope what. I mean, he's in the show. I mean, he was there for a split split second. But he's so. in the main critics. Ethan Peck isn't. So, like, I, I would assume that... But he wasn't in the show today, th- this time. Well, he yeah, was. The main credits the recording are... him was. That's true. Recording was. Remember but, but the main last... credits are for the cast, right? No. Well, last season, they didn't have um, who's <laughs> Volk, whatever his name, the, the guy who played Volk, Tyler, yeah, until he showed up. Yeah, but I think they were trying to trick up. us. No, that's what I'm saying. I, no, but I, I, no, no, I, think, I think they actually do top billing. For each episode. Oh, for each episode rather than season. Yeah, that's possible, yeah. Uh, because also in the first two episodes, you've got um, uh, the captain, Giorgio. What's, what's, Michelle, yeah, she's in the credits when, when she's there. She, well, she wasn't there this time, and then we know she's in the season as well as a major that's role. True. So mm-hmm. I think those will change as the cast are actually in the, the physical that's... episode. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm not used to that in, in a show, but yeah, that would be interesting if they shifted top billing. Um, it's got to be a pain for the, the guy doing the credits, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, if you um, watch, they changed a lot last season. They did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we also get Tilly coming into that as well, and, and she is um, one drunk on power, and I loved that. I loved that uh, that Logic Sciences is a department. For those of you guys who don't know, if I haven't said it before, I'm a logic teacher um, as well as an English teacher and stuff like that. I, I love that Logic Sciences is a department on a starship, so that was fun. Um, but I love their connection, and, and we get the reveal that, that Stamets is leaving. Um, he's partially out of, out of, you know, he's, he's haunted by this place that, that his partner was in and died in. Um, but then also something that was, that was strange. And I, I feels like, I don't know, something, a, a power move by the Vulcan science Academy. They offered him a teaching post, but he's a human. It's weird that he would be hmm. taking a teaching post there. So it makes me wonder, you know, they, they just want their hands on the, on the spore drive because, the Vulcans are yeah, because it's a permanent position. It's not a visiting position yeah. or an honorary thing. So there's something up there. Vulcans play a deep game, right? They do, mm-hmm. and and so I'm whether that gets really explored or not is is just more. It's an interesting question. Um, but I I again I love their relationship. Um, she she cannot bear to let Stamets leave, um, and so I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see that he's more tender with her than he was at the beginning of of last season. Um, he says there's some remnants of the spore drive hippiness, which I, I kind of like. Um, he says, Tilly, you are incandescent. And then please repeat after me. I will say fewer things. And I just <laughs> thought hilarious. It was, it was good. Well played. Um, yeah. We then get, we shift back to, uh, to a conversation between Burnham and Sarek as she's reading, like, as you alluded to Chris, she's reading Alice in Wonderland and, or Alice's adventures in Wonderland. And, um, 
we get some more depth to their to their relationship between both Sarek and Burnham, but also um, Spock and Burnham. And there's some pretty there's some pretty weighty things uh, said in all that. What did you guys think or or take from that that whole scene and conversation they had? I found it kind of fascinating um, I, when I was watching Sarek because I had so recently watched episodes um, and movies with Sarek in them for our last episode of the podcast. Um, I was thinking about uh, Mark Menard as Spock, or not Spock, as Sarek, sorry, um, up close to this one more. And I was noticing, uh, he says, uh, Amanda's voice brings comfort. He talks about empathy, albeit for logical reasons. Um, for a very logical person, he has quite the attraction to things that have to do with how they feel, you know, marrying a human woman twice in his history. Um, yeah. And comfort is not something that's, I mean, you don't think of a heavily logical person being overly worried uh, about that or personally experiencing that the same way. So those are interesting moments. He's being emotionally, or at least if not overtly emotional, he's being supportive to uh, Burnham and, you know, making off. I swear he smiles like two or three times in their conversation. Yeah. It it was just a really, um, I want to say unsarek like, but this is a younger Sarek. So I I don't know. Uh, And he's speaking to his human daughter. You know, it's different, I guess, than when he's speaking to Spock. True. What do you, what do you think, Chris? As far as this scene goes, the things that jumped out to me, I believe oh, I'm talking about the same scene, so correct me if I am incorrect. Um, but when he is talking about, when when Michael asks, why did you invite me into your family? Like, why yeah. why am I, why was I part of this? You know, um, the, the main part is is that it's empathy. It is this, this mm-hmm. thing that Vulcans lack in interactions with other species, specifically humans, is the ability to understand the emotional capacity of others, what they're going through. And empathy can be such a huge part of that. And she said, well, what, 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 um, wouldn't my mother have given that? But uh, he said, what was it? There's a um, a matter of, was it not respect, but like... Um, oh, yeah. Um, there was a word there that basically means... It was a good word. There was a motherly feeling. And so she, was, she he wouldn't learn... Reverence, reverence that's it and she says well reverence usually fills the room and yeah. that that was just a wonderfully well written uh very um it, it was just it was kind of poetic it was a it wonderful was. kind of conversation back and forth between daughter and father understanding finally why and what her role is and that's what she's been trying to do for the last whatever how many episodes we've known michael is understand her role in things and she's finally beginning to get an idea of what her role was in the family unit and so mm-hmm. are we um so that was a beautiful yeah. moment the fact that she's there to bring empathy to the whole whole equation yeah, and there's a lot of implicit in those scenes, uh, implicit explanation of her role because mm-hmm. um, the time Amanda spends with her, Sarah listens in on the storytelling. We have Spock watching from you know the far side of the room. Um, she is changing the dynamic of their home, and mm-hmm. um, whether she understood it or not, that um, yeah um, is important. Yeah, and we also get some hints, uh, like you guys said. There's a lot that's that is not said in these scenes. And I, I really like that. And even Sarah kind of calls that out. Um, and just, you know, there, from what you're not saying, I'm, I'm getting a sense that, that there's more to your relationship than I'm, than I know. Um, and because she really hints at, um, she really says, he says, there's something about your relationship to Spock. You're not telling me it weighs on you. And she says, uh, he, 
you know, Spock may have actually really accepted me for a time, essentially. But that's all we get. You know, there's there's more that we know, and and that's what's going to be explained when Spock comes in, um, at least a little bit. So I'm I'm intrigued by that stuff that they set up, um, as well. Yeah, it introduces the personal mystery of the season. We yeah. we have our our ship's goal. We have you know Spock's mystical stuff he's got going on, but this is the the personal arc in many ways. Yeah. Well, moving forward, uh, we've already mentioned the sound off that Pike that Pike has them all do. In fact, I remember it happening earlier, and now that I look at my notes, it actually happens happens later in this in the show. But um, I love when when they're doing the sound off when he's asking for all of their names. He says, "Skip your ranks; they don't matter." And again, I think it's it's so wonderful and telling for for Pike. Just he, he does not he cares about the people he is serving with. He does not care about their their ranks. He doesn't care about their their function in the ship. Um, he he cares about who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I found what, I I love that scene. It was wonderful. I kind of got a little bit emotional. I thought it was hilarious. The cyborg still says her rank, which was yes, kind of I thought that. And Saru is so awkward when just he gives Saru. her his. I, I just he, he's Saru. like just Saru. checking his uniform that he's straight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and so they they drop out of warp into a real bad asteroid field. Real bad. Um, real bad. And uh, I one of my favorite lines of the episode is, uh, which is a dumb line, but I like it. Uh, Pike uh, immediately they yes. drop out. He says, "Where's my Where's my big damn red thing?" No, no, no. no. He said, "I expected a red thing. Where's my damn red thing?" Yes, yes. <laughs> such a oh. great, such a great moment of just almost. I mean, very Will Shatner. I mean, uh, just really William Shatner at that yeah. moment. Like you know, I expected a red thing, and it's yeah. just it's great. It's wonderful. Oh, it it was good. It, and and just yeah, the, the rapport. I I hope to see more of this throughout the whole thing of just his his comedy. Yeah. He's a funny guy. Um, we, uh, we, they land or they, they get into this big asteroid field and, oh shoot, we have to go, um, land on the biggest of the asteroids because there's all this weird gravity stuff. We can't fly in. We can't transport in nothing in the asteroid field is acting the way that it should. Mm. And, uh, and I, I, again, intriguing because what made me think is, are these bursts actually affecting, um, this area of space or were they created by this, this type of space? So, um, I wonder as, you know, are we going to. Um, Kate, you alluded to like the structure. Are we going to get an episodic structure? Are we going to be looking for each of these seven bursts as we go through? Is that going to be kind of how we go? Um, Didn't they and, say they were already gone? We and this one was too, but it just had lasted longer. So I don't know. Are they? I don't know. Are they going to go to each of the locations that they had scanned? I, I don't know. Empire. I'm intrigued. Yeah, um, but uh, but we also find out that the asteroid field has caused a huge reaction into in the mycelial network, the spore the spore drive. Um, which I thought they'd kind of put away for the season, so the the spore drive isn't completely gone. Um, even in the previews, it looks like he, Stamets is getting himself plugged into the spore drive at, at least at, at one point. So so we're not done with that. Um, and then, unless there's something I'm skipping that you guys want to talk about, we get into basically the most J.J. Um, Abrams <laughs> sequence that we've gotten in, in Discovery so far. Um and which so they get into these pods. They can't transport down. They can't take a shuttle down. They can't um, move the ship in. So they have to take these little tiny one-man pods and pod race through the asteroid field to get to the to the. Oh, I I did skip. There is a Starfleet ship on the biggest of the asteroids. The USS Hiawatha is down there, and so they've got to go um, and, and see if there's anybody alive. So that's yeah. There is a going. moment of tension. The probably the first moment of tension between the new captain and the Discovery crew. Yeah. In that. 
that he says, you know, I want to go down there. And then they're saying, well, it's pretty dangerous. And he's like, no, I'm going to go down there and we're going to save lives. And they're like, look, we agree with you. We're just trying yeah. to be smart about this. And even it, none of us would dare, get, you know, uh, abandon our Starfleet brothers, she right, says. Right. It was good. Which, that was a good moment. Which I just made the connection. Um, it, that that has got to be coming from his his, I guess, essentially impotence in not being a part of the the war. Yeah. Um, and now I didn't I didn't make that connection. They hit Did that you? throughout the episode multiple yeah. times, um, and that was definitely one of those moments where you could see there was something more emotional behind just a captain, yeah. you know, protesting about going in a away mission or doing his duty by his fallen brothers. And sisters. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I really, I really like that. This is, I, I, I'm telling you, this is, I think this, I'm going to go on a limb. This, I think, was the most, the best written episode of Discovery we've had so far. Hmm. And, and it's, it's moments like that where I, it, I've seen it three times. And now that we're talking through it, I'm making these connections that I really, I really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, this is the most Abrams moment of the, of the whole, of the whole series so far. What did you guys, Chris, I, I I'm going to say you're, a bigger, a pretty decent sized fan of the, of the Abrams uh, movies. What did you think of this whole sequence? Oh, it's fantastic. It's just as good as anything you're going to see in the theaters. I was blown away by the, as as we say, um, the, the money that they put up on the screen. I mean, you just, you could see that money. It was like big time money right now. And it was really well done. It was a thrilling sequence. It did feel a a lot like that sequence in, um, into darkness. Oh yeah. You know, in a darkness when um, Kirk and um, oh, um, not is it Kirk and Khan Khan are Kirk, are flying yeah. through space towards the the other the enemy ship. Remember, and yeah. they're having to like duck and weave around particles and space debris and all that stuff. And then Khan's suit gets uh, dislodged, and then His Kirk name has is to go. Harrison, sorry, He's John Harrison. Yeah, and then. Kirk has to get exactly. Kirk has to get him. This felt a lot like that yeah. because almost exact same same beat. Michael has to save uh, Pike because Pike gets you know dislodged and his helmet won't come down and he can't eject yeah. and blah 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 blah. So a lot of techno babble, but there's a lot of wonderful moments. Again, the bridge crew actually being used to good effect oh, here. So, good. so there's you know conversation happening back and forth on the Discovery and on these pods. We get the, like you guys said, that moment when the the blue guy dies in the pod because he's a jerk. Um, it's what happens. And the bridge crew, has, like you said, the bridge crew has to work with them to to eject Pike to help Burnham catch him right. and to stop the or to turn on the thrusters right at the right moment. But it's mm-hmm. fun too. I mean, there there's banter and there, yeah. you know, Discovery's got you, right, ladies? I loved it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're gonna figure this out. So it was, it, it's a great. Fun, exhilarating, if not silly, but still, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's an exciting moment. Yeah, and then Pike gives orders twice, and whenever the science officer doesn't follow them, you know, oops, he's splat bug. Um, but when Burnham doesn't follow them, everything turns out great, so, you know, <laughs> it's all She's our hero. Of course, that's how it works. So who needs orders, as long as you're the cool person? <laughs> right, as long as you've got top billing. <laughs> yes. That's right. And you know you're going to be back next episode. You're good to go. Yeah, unless it's Game of Thrones, top billing doesn't matter. Um, it's absolutely true. Kate, I just because you are, I think a, a bigger a bigger Star Trek or Star Wars person than than either of the two of us. I think, I think so. Go ahead. 
Uh, we'll see where you're going Chris with is this. Giving, Chris is giving me a look, everybody. I, I, no, where I'm, you were I'm first sorry. going, a bigger Star Trek fan. No, I, was I, like, I, I said it wrong. Whoa, bro. Like, come on. We're all equal here. <laughs> Obviously, right. I'm lesser, but you two. <laughs> Go ahead. Tyler's the encyclopedia. Uh, we'll, we'll just get that clear. When it, when it comes to the TOS, I don't have as much input. But if we're talking about TNG, I... We know. need to do a trivia off one day because I just think it would be fun. Um, anyway, Star Wars. What are we talking about? <laughs> you're, 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 you're a huge Star Wars fan. Um, did you did you feel like the sequence was was too in two different ways? And, and uh, this felt way too similar to um, Obi Wan's asteroid chase in Attack of the Clones, and the sound design. And Chris, especially, I think you can speak to this too. The sound design spo- uh, sounded exactly like the pod racers it actually it actually bugged me um the second time i was watching it i was i was taking notes and not watching watching so i was i was listening to it more and i actually looked up and i was like these are pod racers i'm listening to here Hmm. is that just me being nitpicky or or did you feel like it was a little too close to you being nitpicky yeah i'd say nitpicky for this one which is okay you you love star trek it's okay you can defend it it's okay we're okay um (laughs) uh and so they land on the asteroid and it's good, and everybody wins, and and, and a giant monster <laughs> comes out of a ca- cavern and eats the Millennium Falcon. I oh wait, never mind. Honestly, was waiting at one point for the for the space slug. I was waiting. Uh, um, for the audience who doesn't have the benefit of the video feed, Tyler is actually wearing a Millennium Falcon T-shirt. He is betraying Star Trek. So unbelievable. I'm just reference to Star Wars, and I made it work, so it's fine. <laughs> No, but um, it, it it does end well. She's able to grab Captain yeah. Pike, and they land on this asteroid, and then they start slowly walking towards the oddly named ship, whatever. Hiawatha. There you go. Uh, and then and, little uh, brain surgery is happening in this creepy hospital. I loved. Uh, yeah, we've we've already alluded to this, but let's Tignataro as as Commander Jet A Reno. Plus. Oh, yeah. she is. I hope she's on. It's it's been unclear. They they announced her as a guest role. But, you know, how much is she on this show? I hope she is the new chief engineer. Like, if if Davis has to leave, and I hope he doesn't, I loved her. She's hilarious. Or just find another role. I don't care yeah. what. She's my, my entertainer. Oh, apparently she can be a doctor, so. Yeah. That, that yeah. too. Yep. I loved her in it. Yeah, it was great. There, there's that moment when she's, you know, explaining. She's basically the MacGyver of yeah. doctors. Gosh. Kind of using all these things, keeping these people alive. And then they explain to her that they're headed towards a pulsar now. And she says, oh, good. I thought we were all going to die. Mm-hmm. It's just a wonderful, because she's got such a great positive outlook. It's believable. She, If she yeah. survived for this many months, she had to have some sort of a positive outlook. And even if you tell her, you know, things are looking pretty bleak right now, she's going to have that kind of. Yeah. snarky response which i i appreciated and, and laughed at that was great absolutely and she didn't know the, the war was over so we had you know that beat there as well, well. You're so not she's speaking klingon so right so that's another hit on um uh i don't know why i'm having such a hard time with pike's name i keep on trying to say pike and mount in the same time and then i stutter over his name anyway <laughs> um uh that's yet another point where we're getting how the war has affected people by their absence mm-hmm. um from it as well yeah um, the the question that I that this scene sort of brought up to me she she doesn't know that there's been this gigantic red burst that can be seen from across the galaxy is that just because she's stuck inside and, and isn't looking at her sensors or I honestly with with all of the stuff swirling around to get them to this point it does make me wonder if there's a reason she was there in the first place or if there's or if there's something deeper to to commend her Reno's presence like she maybe does know what's going on or she's 
Section 31 or something like that. Is that, again, medium paranoid or... It's entirely believable that she has no idea what's going on after a point because she's cannibalizing her ship in order to be able to have, you know, these flying sentries and saving the lives of the people who are there. She's she's been a little bit busy. And I have to imagine that any sensors that do exist are probably pretty messed up with uh, the metal and the gravity issues. So I don't think she's I think she's worrying about her immediate safety and that of her crew, but not a lot beyond that. And she may have even noticed the red burst, but that just didn't come up yet. You know what I mean? They're, they're the next right. episode, they're interviewing her about it. So sure. we just don't know. We just don't know what we don't know yet. Okay. They're kind of in peril in this episode. There's a little <laughs> bit of a ticking a clock. Bit. Yeah. Which works nicely. So so speaking of that, they've they got to get off the asteroid before it, I think it's hurtling into a pulsar or something mm-hmm. like that. And Minor um, so they, they have to, yeah, <laughs> they have to prepare the, the transporters and get everybody off. But of course... Michael Burnham gets, you know, there's an explosion and she gets knocked um, out of the way and can't can't join them on the transporter pad as she's about to go. So she has to run out of a rapidly imploding ship and uh, and then gets knocked out and wakes up to see the Red Angel. Yeah, that is the whole point of her getting left behind is her to see that Red Angel moment. And it's like, okay. I, I liked I liked the eerie music that plays along with it. I like the 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 fact that we we don't really see it. Is it a vision? Is it a hallucination? What is it? And it's um, after this point that they bring up that Spock is talking about a red angel. Is that right? Uh, it's after that. It's at the very end. But he actually, if I remember correctly, doesn't say the red angel. He just talks about the bursts. If no, I'm somebody somebody right. mentions the fact that. Um, Spock. Well, the words are used specifically, but I don't remember who, if it was Spock or someone else. Because she, she, there's a moment of like um, recognition from 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 Burnham. Maybe it's in, that. Maybe it was in the the the. I the think it's in a trailer. Two trailer. Maybe maybe. The reason why I'm asking yeah. is because yeah, it's possible. It is it is it, it is a it is a red angel, but it's not. Yeah. It's actually Pike. Or is it? You know, like is it? A, and that's why I ask: Is it a vision? Is it something else? Because it's 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 got a very a very distinct shape but then pike you know mm-hmm. he sort of runs through it almost like it was a cloud or, or a mirage or something like that right I, yeah i'm curious like um, i don't think it was actually there i don't think there no, was an actual red angel like a being there i don't know if she yeah. was hallucinating i don't know if it was yeah. a vision a spiritual thing if yeah. it was a maybe even one of those weird because we know that michael Outer burnham phase. has gotten these weird um communications from her dad before so maybe somebody else oh, or something else is communicating with her or you know messing with her or whatever so and because spock is connected with her and her dad maybe there's like kind of yeah. weird vulcan mind meld shenanigans happening yeah, oh, I, yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> Those Vulcans are always up to shenanigans. Totally. They all act like, oh, we're so logical. And then they're all pain. You know, <laughs> It's a cover story. Totally a cover story. It is. <laughs> it is. Uh, and that just leads us to our to our next our next bit. And I really I like the this, – this leads us ultimately to our uh, – our great victory moment between Tilly and, and Stamets. Uh, the the properties of this asteroid, we need to get these properties because they might be some kind of unknown matter that we've never seen before and it wouldn't transport. So they have to put they have to they have to get a gigantic asteroid into this into the uh, the shuttle bay. This is the power and, of math, people. That's right. It's, it's I, an asteroid I, magnet into the uh, shuttle bay in the back yeah. of the ship. 
So it's a really, really cool, cool moment. And the reason why they realize that is because when they, when Pike finds Michael and they beam out finally together, she grabs a rock and it won't transport, right? So they know mm-hmm. that this is, what is it? Some sort of an odd property rock. And they know that this could be like very energy efficient for the spores, like, right? Yeah, something like that. Yep. Which it's basically which also super goes... science jargon. We've got some cool thing coming down yeah. the pike, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Coming down the pike. Ba-dum-bum. <laughs> Get it? Because his name is Pike. Thank you yeah. for ruining the joke. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I just want to make sure. It it's was not funny if you have to explain it. <laughs> Stop ruining my jokes, uh, Tyler. <laughs> I can't help it. They're just right there to ruin. Um, yeah. Pike, so we, we then shift, you know, into the ready room, and Pike hates it. And I love that he hates Lorca's ready room, because we hated Lorca's ready room. Like, this is, it's this intimidating thing. He makes everybody stand. There's no chairs. And this and, stupid fortune cookies. But even with that, you know, he picks up the last of the fortune co- cookies, and it's like the last vest- vestige of Lorca is there. And we get I the nod to the cage if you read the text on it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So the text on the fortune, not every cage is a prison, nor every loss eternal. And I think, A, obviously, you know, a callback to the cage and Pike's thing. And I, I again, I hope that they talk about that later in the what season. Is, what is the cage for those who maybe are listening and don't know? Um, the the cage is the the original title of the the sorry the title of the original um, pilot to Star Trek, which actually never aired, but it tells the story of Captain Pike being locked away by these supremely mental beings who can um, the, the Talosians. They I always grew up them and the Ferengi. We called them buttheads because they had these huge heads that big had old butt heads in the back, um, and they can project. You know these like whatever they want people to see uh, mentally, and and it's called the cage. He's locked in there, and they're trying to keep him in a zoo, basically. Um, cool. So I think it's a reference, but it's I think it's even more the the second half. So it's not every cage is a prison, and then the second half, nor every loss eternal. And it, I wonder if that's kind of some more theme for the year. You know, we've um, or even re- referring back to last year, we lost Lorca, we lost Giorgio, we lost Culber. Um, uh, we lost Tyler, I guess, technically. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm intrigued by that, but we, we now get the fact that Pike is, um, Pike is, is now a, um, he's with the discovery. He's the captain of the discovery. He's wearing discovery uniform now. And, uh, wasn't there a moment though in this at some point, And I know we've kind of really fast forwarded a lot through the back half of this episode, but wasn't there a moment when Pike said, my mission is over to, um, I did like that to Saru and gave the chair back to Saru. And yeah. now at the end of the episode, he's like, actually I'm staying on until the enterprise gets, uh, fixed. So I'm going to be here for a little bit longer. And he's in, like we said, that he's in the discovery, uh, outfit. Uh, he's take, he took away the, the new outfit, which is odd. I was kind of hoping maybe by the end of this episode, all of them would have the new, the new uniforms, but I, I was not. too. I was hoping it would shift completely to that, but um, it, there was some. I I don't think it was anything official, but somebody had written something up saying, "Well, maybe these are just like the the working man's uniforms, and then the prestigious starships like Enterprise get the nice new ones." But but then why are the ad, why are the admirals wearing it? So whatever. But I so were you were you kind of saying you know why did he why did he say it's the end of my mission to Saru and then and then he's the captain again? It just feels weird because. Or is it is it the end of the mission? 
I thought I they, it, they were supposed to be exploring these seven red bursts, and now because it wasn't there, he was just saying that's over now. I I I was kind of okay with it because I I got the sense that um, it was it was this first mission was just to get to this one, see what's going on, and then he he I think he assumed he's going to go back to Enterprise and Enterprise will be fixed, but then got he it. says he says something like. There's too much damage to the Enterprise. The Corps of Engineers has no idea when it'll be repaired. So I'm staying on. Got um, it. Kate, so, did you bump on that as well? Or did did that come through to you? Yeah, that's the way I read it. Um, the way you explained it, Tyler. Of course, it's the way that I explained it. Guys, You're giving him too much power. You I'm gotta. So, I'm so good. You gotta disagree just a little bit with him. Because when you do that, you're just inspiring him to be... <laughs> I'm setting of, him up for his control. next fall, Chris. That's what this is. Oh, good. Okay, so good. rude. Um, and that just leads into a, a nice, you know, we're, we are wrapping up everything here, but it leads into a nice conversation of, between uh, Pike and, and Burnham. He opens up a little bit more about the difficulty that even Spock had with being away from the Klingon War um, and asking some very Spock questions. Where's the logic of staying away if there's nothing back to come to? Um, because the Enterprise was, she uh, Burnham, I think, says the Enterprise was a, is a, I don't know if it was a weapon or something of last resort. Um, and it is logical that you stayed away. But that Spock, Pike says, you know, Spock sees logic as a beginning, not as an end. And I would actually argue that's a little out of character for Spock. That's that's where Spock ends up in the undiscovered country. He, when we first meet him, Spock is not there. He is not that mature to say, that, that um, much beyond logic to say logic is the beginning, not the end baggage would you agree after we've gone through all this or what more original series baggage to deal with um we're we're being bound by because i think uh in this story that sentence works really well but when you suddenly step into the the larger through line of of spock's history that's what gets you in trouble yeah and from there i mean she really asks uh you know she's she's been asking a couple other times can i go see spock um, and, and it, it, he made it seem like, he made it seem like Spock was actually with the Enterprise getting it repaired, but then now she says, okay, we're back. We, they're, they're, um, they're looking at the Enterprise, I think out a window. And he says, she says, I, I want to go see him. I want to go see him. And he says, well, I, I just granted him leave. He had all these months of leave, um, pile uh, built up and he seems to be really disturbed by something, which we find out is these seven bursts. Um, so I, I gave him leave. Um, what did you think of this whole we get to the enterprise we are on the enterprise for the the final um scene of this of this episode was it uh, was it let down was it exciting was it was it cathartic what did you guys feel kate what did you think about we, we see spock's quarters on the enterprise so um it's it feels very much movie set um enterprise mm-hmm. you know not any of the um and, and by movie set I, I even mean more like the newer movies not the uh, early movies yeah. um in many ways his room is an easter egg collection of, of references yeah. back to right. you know a mock time and, and other things that happened um i felt a little weirded out by in fact um, i was expecting more Burnham. easter eggs well, yeah, I felt a little weirded out by her just like going, yeah, I'll go read, you know, his personal logs. There's no biggie weird yeah. privacy invasion about this. It just seemed a little invasive for somebody she has no relationship with to go, hey, brother, I'm going to read your stuff while you're gone. Yeah, agreed. I I think 
I, I, I mean, it's of course, it's just there to set up, oh, shoot, he has this personal log in which he says the same thing. But, um, but yeah, I felt it was like, uh, I feel like Pike would respect Spock a little bit more than no, you're obviously going over there to go through his stuff. Like, there's no, right. he's not there. Why are you going over there? But... And she just, um, it doesn't seem like they have the kind of relationship that she's the sister going through her brother's stuff. So in some ways, the it just didn't, while the, it was cool to see his room and the stuff in it, it just didn't feel like it fit as well. It felt very much like a, and we're setting up the next piece, but it, it the way that, yeah. you know, came about didn't quite work for me. Agreed. Chris, what did you think about that whole section? You know, it, it was fine. It the Especially like the, the hidden Easter egg in his log was just really again like all she did yeah. was do that this thing that she'd seen earlier in and that was the hidden fine it just it to me seemed Her a little, little swoopy thing a little he, swoopy yeah, yeah hand grab thing that she that he had done earlier in the episode as a boy so you know it, it was fine it was fine it was obviously just a redressed set of discovery it wasn't like they had built yeah. the enterprise so for me there was nothing too geeky to geek out about other than you know all right this is where we're headed yeah so i'm just i'm, I'm ready to see where that story leads there wasn't yeah. a whole lot there there you know agreed well honestly i mean unless is there anything else that we've that we've missed uh or do you think we've anything we haven't gotten a, a chance to talk about um i i love this episode i i think we were we are back to star trek anybody who did complain that discovery wasn't um, Star Trek up until now, we're back. I, if they're complaining at this point, it, they're complaining simply to complain. Yeah, no, I, I I think I I had a blast in this episode. What a great way to get the season started. Uh, they open up a lot of mysteries for us to solve, a lot of adventure to go on, and some great new characters to to uh, to kind of latch onto. So I'm ready. Cool, Kate. Any last thoughts? Um, I have yeah, lots of questions about what's coming. I'm curious once. We're past now the season opener, um, what the episodes are going to be like. Um, I, I want to know. Um, this is clearly not the, the more cerebral next generation. It does seem to have a lot of the fun of the original series um, with this new season. But like, what what is the identity of the show going to be at this point? Um, while it's making lots of original yeah. series callbacks, um, what is Discovery's voice? And I don't know that we really got Discovery's voice clearly the first season. And so I think this is our chance to find out uh, what it is as its own uh, animal. Excellent. Yep, I love it. I, I completely agree. Well, uh, next this next episode is going to be called New Eden, and it's actually I just found out it's directed by Jonathan Frakes. So we're getting mm. another Frakes episode. Frakey All right, exciting. Uh, and New Eden is exciting. That's that's a thing we've we've toyed with in Star Trek you know, quite a bit up until this point. So mm-hmm. excited to see what they do. So, well, as, as always, everybody, you can, you can find us on Twitter. We are at the next track on Twitter, have a conversation, let us know what we have uh, gotten right or wrong, or how many, how many more of my notes I should have been allowed to read on air for everybody. Um, and just, you know, my, my own brilliance that I get to just share with the world, but that Chris and Kate sometimes just quench. We steal your um, joy. We steal your joy. <laughs> just, just sometimes. As always, everybody, thanks for listening. Live long and prosper. Mm-hmm.